Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. This is our uh, this is our last uh, last week in our unity series. Um, this uh, again a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> someone texted and said like, "Hey, uh, was this series was it was it serendipitous or was it planned? It was most definitely planned. Uh, we are experiencing a ton of disunity in our uh, in our country. Oh yes, that's right. Listen, I always forget these things, and then there are people in the back." who uh, remember and they remind me and then they, they hold them up and, you know. Uh, so we have a couple, uh, couple, couple of gifts this week. We, we did a giveaway this past week and, uh, and we have two people that we're going to be giving, giving things away to. Uh, one is Jillian Johnson. And the other one is Kim Stagenborg. Yep. So give it up for them. Uh, that is the characters of Christmas. They're getting that book. If, if you haven't uh, realized this yet, we, we, we like giving things away, okay? So, so uh, it's awesome. Uh, no door prizes. You have to enter to win them. Um, and so if you, uh, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you'll be able to see, uh, see on there uh, how, to, how to enter a lot of these things. So, and especially during the holidays, pay attention because there's a lot of resources that we want to give away to you. And listen, uh, like hear my heart on this. Uh, when, we, when we do these giveaways, we don't just give you things just because like we want to spend your money to like bless other people, you know. It's not really just because of that. It's because we believe in these resources. We've, we've, we've you know, checked them out, tested them, tried them. And our goal is to turn all of our hearts toward Jesus. That's it. And so these are great resources to do that. So anyway, the characters of Christmas, check that out. Okay, so we're in this series. Uh, this, is our, this is our third week in this series on unity. Uh, we're ending today. And, uh, and really, our country is still in a lot of disarray. I was, I'm, I'm in a Bible study on Fridays, and uh, Friday morning, 7 a.m. And, uh, and so I was with a bunch of men, and... And, you know, the issue of, of election stuff and things came up. And, and uh, what, what, what was, for the you know, previous hour, what was pretty unified, and, and it, it didn't get out of hand, but, but what was really unified, you know, on Christ and the Bible, uh, topics quickly made it kind of disunified, right? Um, and so we, we live in that world where we constantly kind of experience unity, disunity. And so we, we, we have a series to talk about that because Jesus talked to us about that. The Bible talks to us about that. Well, um, back in, a, I'm going to enter into an analogy that the kids will love. They're going to love this. Parents, you, you, you know, you maybe not so much, but back when I was in seminary, I was in, in my master's, um, I was in between some classes in the evening, and, and so I, I basically did classes all day on Monday, starting at like 8 a.m. until like 9 p.m. And, uh, and so it was, it was in my evening classes, it was between my like, you know, afternoon class and my evening class, and we would go to this place and, and grab a burger or something like that, typically. And so we're sitting there at dinner, and uh, we're talking about something deep. I don't know what our, uh, you know, what we're talking about. It's, it's me and two others, uh, or sorry, three others, and then our professor. And so we're having this, like, seminary conversation. We're talking about the hypostatic union or transubstantiation or something. I don't know what it was, but it was something deep. 
And, and while we're talking, like something hits us all at the same time. And, uh, and it wasn't someone's words. Uh, it was the worst fart I had ever smelled in my entire life, okay? Like we're sitting there at dinner. All the kids are like, yes, this is what I came for. We're sitting there at dinner, and, and, and it, just, it just wafts over all of us. We were sitting in it. It was terrible. An assault, a full-on assault of all, this, all the senses, uh, definitely uh, smell and taste. Now, listen, th- th- there was no one else in, in, in the restaurant at this time. It was an early dinner, and so uh, it definitely came from our table. It did not come from me, uh, and there were four other people with us. Uh, still to this day, the people that I was in seminary with, they deny it, okay? They go, no, it wasn't me. I swear, right? Well, that only leaves one culprit, and you can't in the moment, you can't be like, hey, right? When you're in the presence of your professor, you can't be like, who dealt that, right? Um, and so we, what choice did we have other than to sit in it? And my stomach was turning. I was getting sick. Uh, and then I went to class, and, and my stomach was upset for the entire rest of the evening. As we're going through class, as, as our professor, who was most likely the culprit, dealt it. He was the one that was, that was teaching that, you know, evening. And, uh, and so we're just sitting there, we're listening to him, and I'm like feeling sick. I mean, it was awful, right? Um, and that just kind of happens sometimes. Throughout this series, as we were talking about uh, unity and disunity in the church, often what we see is that disunity is kind of like that fart. It, it, it comes in, uh, people who, whoever, whoever dealt it denies it. They're like, ah, I, don't, I don't know, it wasn't me, right? But somebody put it out there, right? Um, it, 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 it sits, it permeates the entire room. Like everybody kind of, they know it, right? Like they're, they're in it. It's sitting into the fibers. Like real disunity, if you've ever been around real disunity, it, it, it is something so tangible. It's like it, it's like it embeds into your t-shirt. You know, it's that tangible, just like that part. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. It, it changes the taste of the meal, right? Like you can't, you can't sit there with someone who's really disunified with each other and finish your meal and feel good about yourself. In, inside of you, you're going, you know what? Like, this has disrupted everything. Like, this is ruining, okay? Just, just like for some of you, this metaphor is ruining your night. Uh, like, this is ruining the meal. I can't, I can't continue in this. And often, this is what disunity is like when it comes to, uh, when it comes to being with other people. Um, the thing about disunity is uh, it, it causes lifelong friends to walk away from one another, right? Which is really interesting. I think many of us have kind of gone through that. We've felt that potentially. If, if you haven't lived through that, then you know friends who, who have. Um, it causes children to walk away from their parents. It causes parents to walk away from their children. Uh, many of us are going into the holiday season, and we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner with, with families who, who very much disagree with things that we believe in. Um, whatever that may be. And so there's, there's this unity there. kind of makes the turkey taste weird, right, around Thanksgiving time. Um, and, and then also, not only that, but, but it causes us to leave lifelong jobs. I mean, jobs that we loved, jobs that we, we, we gave so much of our, of our time and effort into, it causes us to leave those. Do you know the number one reason that people leave their job is because of disunity with their boss? Uh, there, there's something that is causing this, like, strife between them and their boss, and there's this disunity. It's a disunified relationship. 
Um, so that's number one uh, by all studies uh, that, that, that are out there right now. Um, but two of the top 10 in the other studies uh, that are out there, two of the top 10 of, of most studies, uh, also show that disunity between coworkers is up there. And then the third one is disunity uh, with the, the company's direction, with, with the mission and vision. It's called mission drift. And companies spend millions of dollars a year in trying to figure out how do we get our mission back and how do we stay on mission so that our coworkers who are, who are you know, or not coworkers, but employees who are highly qualified will actually stick around. And, and I, I think if, if you have ever, if you've ever left a job because of disunity with a boss, disunity with a coworker, or disunity with a mission, go ahead and raise your hand. I, I think it's probably in some ways, I think most of us, right? Like we've experienced that, okay? So if disunity causes our relationships to end and change, if, if disunity is so, uh, so serious that it causes us to leave, uh, you know, our careers, if it causes us to leave uh, friends and family, if it's something that we talked about last week that is, is, is in the last two weeks that, that God hates so much, the question is, how do we fix it? How do we not experience it? Or when we do experience it, how do we make it right? Okay, so we're going to be uh, going to the scripture to look, look at that uh, today, and uh, we start in the same place every week. We always go to the table of contents, so you can do that. Go ahead and open up to the table of contents in your phone or open up to the table of contents in your physical Bible, and, uh, and we're going to go um, to 2 Corinthians in just a moment. Um, so Corinth, uh, by the way, 2 Corinthians, uh, New Testament. Um, and it's right after the first, uh, first books of the Bible, or first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got Acts, and then uh, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. So we're going to be in 2nd Corinthians, all right? Now, the, 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 the Corinth, um, the, the, the community, the city of Corinth, if you don't know this, it was very, very, very hedonistic, okay? Um, so tons, tons of sin. It was just crazy. Sin was rampant. And, uh, and so this is the context that Paul is writing to, now, you also need to understand this, that in 1 Corinthians, Paul, he, he put out there some serious accusations against the Corinth church, and they didn't take kindly to, to Paul correcting them, okay? And so what ended up happening is that in the off-season between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, in that off-season, uh, this spat, this dispute began to form between them. Um, now, because of that... It, it, it came uh, to the, the, the church of Corinth, it came to their, their um, uh, understanding that there were these Jews in Jerusalem that were being highly persecuted. And, and a couple of their churches, namely the churches in Galatia and Macedonia, they gave large sums of money to the persecuted Jewish population in Jerusalem. And they said, hey, as Paul has called us to be generous, we're going to be generous, and we're going to, we're going to bless them. We're going to take care of them. But guess what church didn't give to the persecuted Jews in Jerusalem? Because they were upset that Paul had already called out their previous sins. Corinth, okay? So, like, this is really, it's kind of like this. If you've ever gotten into a battle with, like, a toddler, and you're going back and forth, you know, and you're like, no, I know what's right, buddy. Listen to me. And the toddler's like, uh-uh, not listening. And not having it. Not today, you know. Give me the cookie, okay? So this is, what, this is what Corinth is doing, okay? So they're in this dispute with Paul back and forth. And, um, and so they're, they're kind of fighting, right? So this is, the, this is this moment of disunity that Paul is writing to 
uh, with the church in Corinth. Okay, we're going to pick up here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I didn't tell you what verse or what chapter we're going to. We're going to go to chapter 5 and we're going to go to verse 16. I'll give you a moment to turn there. All right. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. Paul says, uh, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Can you imagine that? It's so funny because, like, you think of Paul and you're like, no, like, he always, you know, well, yes, Paul, Paul, you know, uh, later on, he, he saw Christ as God. But remember the beginning of his life, Paul wasn't known as Paul. Paul was known as Saul. And uh, Saul spent his entire life persecuting those who believed that Jesus was the Son of God, okay? And so there were people, uh, Paul included, and even the disciples, at one point, they, they regarded, they thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now, Paul says. Uh, this is a moment of worship. He's going, are you kidding me? Uh, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting uh, people's sins against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. Some people would call that the gospel, the story of Jesus, right? The way for people to be reconciled to God the Father. This is what uh, Paul's talking about right here. Like, he's given us this message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That last verse, verse 21, I'm going to read it again. We're not going to focus our time on this today, but, but, but I want you to hear the power that is in this verse. Okay, this is verse 21, uh, again, chapter 5. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right through God. Uh, or with God through Christ. And so that is, that's, that's the gospel. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of our salvation. Okay, so Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. He says that we have the task of reconciling other people to him. We were given the message of reconciliation. And how do we do this? What is our example? Our example is the fact that God the Father was reconciling the world to himself through who? The man in God, Jesus Christ, right? Uh, by the way, earlier I said, I was throwing out a term jokingly. I said the hypostatic union. Uh, that's the term that people smarter than myself made up. Uh, that, that, that basically talks about the fact that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% man at the exact same time, right? Like it, it, it took someone, some being, right? God himself, special named Jesus Christ to actually do this reconciliation, Okay to be the minister of reconciliation, reconciling everyone uh, to himself, okay, to, to God the Father. So, so how are we doing that? Like, uh, or how are we doing on that? How are we doing when it comes to carrying the message of reconciliation, the, the task of reconciling other people to God, the way that God did it, which was using Jesus Christ and reconciling a broken world to a holy God, how are we doing that? Uh, how are we doing with that? Last week, um, uh, or sorry, two weeks ago, we talked about in John 17, 
Jesus is really clear in the high priestly prayer, and he essentially says this. He says that people will partially believe or disbelieve that Jesus is who he said he was based off of our unity or our disunity, right? So people are literally going to believe who Jesus is based off the fact if we are unified. We, uh, what we said that week was our unity is our testimony. So how are we doing with that? How are we doing with pointing people toward Jesus um, through, through this tense political season? The message that we carry around with us, is it the message of reconciliation, right? Or is it some other message that some other political uh, uh, party dreamt up or some other political pundit dreamt up? Um, or are we carrying the true message of reconciliation of Jesus Christ with us everywhere we go. So often what happens is, we, we talked uh, last week about how we, we, we find ourselves in not just a disagreement, right? Remember, like, here, here are these disagreements, okay? They're kind of like foundational, right? But as you build up these disagreements, what happens, you, you eventually find yourself into disunity. Like something happens, we don't know what it is, you know, it's, it's different every time, but like the straw that broke the camel's back, it happens, and you're no longer in a disagreement world, you're in disunity world. And when, when, when all of a sudden you enter into disunity world, uh, you know, wh where do you go with, with it from there? Like, what do you do? Well, we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. And again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. If you're wondering, hey, listen, we've, we've like turned to the Sermon on the Mount like six or seven times in the last like, three, like what is going on? Okay, listen, number one, um, uh, we, we don't yet get it because if we did, our lives would look more like it, Okay. We don't yet get it, because if we did, our lives would look more like it. And then number two, this is the greatest sermon of all time, and it was literally preached through the mouth of God. And so we need to hang on to every single word that Jesus said in this sermon, and we need to cherish it. Um, you know, it, it might be better for me to just be quiet, walk off stage, and we just read the Sermon on the Mount every week. Um, but we're going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so this is Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go verses 21 through 24. Here we go. Uh, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember uh, uh, and you suddenly remember that someone has, has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So, so what, do we, what do we experience here in this verse? Like, well, like what is God saying? If, 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 if you have a disunified relationship with someone, what happens? Life stops. Literally. Literally. The most important thing in your life, what, what is the most important thing in your life? Is it to go to work on Monday morning? Is it, is it to make, you know, the same old chicken and rice dish on a Wednesday night? Uh, is it to read a book with your child? Like, like, like what, is, what is the most important thing in your life? It's, it's, it's what you view about God and what you're going to do about it. Like, like what is your view of God? Do, do you believe that he is, he is all-loving and all-powerful and amazing? And if so, 
what are you going to do about it, right? And this is the most important thing in your life. This is, this is the biggest thing. And what, what Jesus is saying here is that your light literally stops until you reconcile with that person. The most important thing in your life, the worship of God himself, stops. See, the Jewish people, their, their big worship moment was, was, was taking this offering into the synagogue. And, uh, you know, here at Redemption, we worship in several ways. Uh, you know, we worship through, through singing together. It was incredible. Uh, we worship through preaching, through, through the hearing of God's word. Uh, we worship through, through giving, right, and, and, and blessing the Lord with our money and, and, uh, and, and carrying out the ministry with that money. And, and these are the ways that we worship. But in, in, in the Jewish synagogue, like the epitome of their worship was giving these sacrifices to God. And Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus, where else in scripture does God say, stop worshiping me? Where do you ever hear this? Like, I, I, I'm telling you, I have never heard this anywhere else. Jesus is literally saying, stop worship. Okay, all right, all right, Jesus. But, but why? Like, why am I supposed to stop worshiping? Like, like you don't want me to give you this. By the way, it's just funny. I love that Jesus says stop. Like, don't give me things. Uh, I love that Jesus says this. And the reason I love it is because it shows the richness of God. Like, like the wealth that he has. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't, he doesn't need your sacrifices. Why do, I, why do we give to him? Like, why, why does my wife and I, like, like, why do we give to God? We give to him because he's called us to do it, and we're going to be, be obedient to it, Right? He's called us to do it, so we're going to be obedient to it. That's it. And through that, God blesses us in some way. But let, let's just get something straight. He doesn't need you to give him anything. And it's so clear here. God goes, just stop. Don't give it to me. Okay, Jesus. Well, what's more important then here, Jesus? Go and reconcile with that person. Before you continue anything, before your life continues, Go and reconcile with that person. It's that important. And this is crazy. Again, like nowhere else in scripture do we see this. Okay, so <laughs> unity, it's a two-way street. And, and, and just because you offer unity, just because you, you, you okay, like you're, you know, you're, you're at synagogue, right, church, okay? You're at church and you suddenly remember uh, that, that, that someone has something against you. And you have to go to that person. Now, listen, like, what if that person rejects it? What, what if that person, <clears throat> what if that person doesn't want to be unified with you? Because this wild thing is true that sometimes, just, just sometimes, people act and think differently than we do. Has that ever happened to you? You're, like, talking to someone, you're like, wow, that person thinking very much, or very differently than I am. Uh, that person acting very differently than I am. It's crazy. People think and act differently than we do. And so uh, what if... You, you go to a person, you try to reconcile with them, and they ghost you, right? Like, like they don't return your text, they don't return your phone call, they don't return your email, they don't return your carrier pigeon. You know, like, what do you do then? Then you show up at their house and you stalk them. That's what you do. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, don't stalk people, okay? Uh, don't show up at their house. But, but, but legit, like, what do you do if they're not going to reconcile with you? Um, 
do you, do you still do it? Do you still go after it? Absolutely. Absolutely you do. See, God doesn't guarantee the outcome here. He doesn't guarantee that all is going to end up well. He just calls the person who knows about the offense to go and reconcile. Because we have the task of reconciliation. We've been given the message of reconciliation. The bottom line today is this. The unified people, which we are, right? Because scripture says that, that God had unified us to himself through Jesus. Unified people fight for unity and forgiven people forgive. That's it. Unified people, we fight for unity and forgiven people forgive. Well, why, why does my wife and I, like, like why do we give of our finances? Because we're, we're called to it, so we're obedient, right? We're obedient to it. We're called to do it, so we're obedient to it. And so what, why do we reconcile? Let's be honest. Are there not relationships in your life that it would probably be easier just to, just to kind of cut off and walk away from? Absolutely. For sure. For sure there would be. But that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to something, and so we're, we're going to be obedient to that thing. Um, and I think that we struggle with this. I struggle with this. Um, kind of crazy. I, uh, in the last year, I, I, myself, Corey Ball, this is like pastor confession time, uh, I've been living in that sin, the sin of disunity. And it's hard because, uh, you know, I, I have the, the blessing of preaching to you I have, the, I have the opportunity to tell you the truth. And the cool thing is, uh, as, as I continually tell you the truth, the Holy Spirit continues to reveal the sin in my heart. As I continue to look at the word and study the word, the Holy Spirit continues to reveal the sin in my heart. Now, if, if you're sitting here going, wait a minute, like, pastor, that's crazy. The sin of disunity, that's a little, you know, a little stretch, right? Like, I don't know if that's a sin uh, so much as just kind of like a, you know, uh, a little oopsie, you know, we, we, we try to take our sins and we try to make them like really cute, you know. Um, James 4, 17, it says this. It says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's so clear. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. See, as someone who I, I would say, as I'm still maturing, but someone who is mature in Christ, um, I know Matthew 5. <laughs> like, I know. I've read it. You've read it. I've read it. If, if you remember, if, if you're in the synagogue and you remember that someone suddenly has something against you, like you suddenly remember this, then leave your gift at the altar and go and reconcile to that person. I know this. And I haven't done it. And... Um, I love, by the way, it says, uh, and if you suddenly remember, as if you're going to forget, right? Like this shows that either Jesus is, just has a sense of humor or he's passive aggressive. Like if you suddenly remember, uh, no, no, listen, uh, if, if you have a relationship that is completely disunified, you don't suddenly, you know, remember it because you never forgot it. It's nagging to you. Like it's in the back of your mind. It's hanging on your heart like that dangly thing in the back of your throat. It's like back there. It's like just like, ugh. And it's so hard on you, it's nagging on you, right? And so, uh, this disunified relationship I've had for over a year now, and, uh, and I had to make it right. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But I think 
I think for me, the how-to has felt daunting. Um, if, if you've ever had a disunified relationship in your life, have you ever felt like, man, right now, I know exactly what to do. If, if, if that's you, you, raise your hand. I know exactly what I gotta do right now, and it'll just be fine and over with. No, like, we struggle with this. And, and, and if you know me, uh, you know that I'm pretty easy to get along with. Um, you know, I can be headstrong, but I have the heart the size of Texas. And, um, but here's the thing, because there's disagreements in my life, but there's not disunified, disunified relationships, this muscle of reconciliation is weak. It's not strong, right? I'm not hitting the gym every day with this muscle of reconciliation. Um, and so when it comes time to reconcile, I didn't know exactly what to do. I didn't know how to do that. Um, and then I bought into this lie that like uh, this, this, this unified relationship, there's wrongs on both sides. And I said, you know what? Like, yes, I have done some wrong things. I need to, I need to apologize. I need to ask for forgiveness. But they will never see their wrongs. I don't know if you've ever bought into that lie. I did. And what a weak and self-centered, sinful excuse to continue living in sin. To the person who knows what they ought to do and does not do it, to him, to her, it is sin. Remember, unified people fight for unity and forgiven people forgive. So we sit on this, right? That if I am unified with Christ, I have to fight for unity. If I'm a forgiven person, I have to forgive, period. Today I was listening to this song by Pat Barrett and Harold. It's called Lightning. It says, silence from the ones who know better. Quiet is the riot of the oppressor. So poetic. The devil's plan is we hate each other. Even better if we say nothing. Now, these lyrics, uh, I actually think they're, they're probably uh, more... Um, geared toward racial um, issues, uh, actually. But I, I want us to read these lyrics through the context of disunified relationships. Silence from the ones who know better. Like, if we know better, if we know we have to reconcile, how can we remain silent? Quiet is the riot of the oppressor. And this riot emerges in our soul, right? When I think of a riot, I just think of destruction, just utter destruction and chaos. And in these moments of disunity, as we continue, as I, your pastor, continues to stay quiet, destruction and chaos. The devil's plan is that we hate each other even better if we say nothing. So listen, I was tired of being unified with Christ and disunified with this person. I, I, was, I was tired of of uh, people talking about this relationship, saying, hey, how, how, are, you, how are you guys doing with this? Um, I was tired of the food feeling weird. I was, or tasting, tasting weird. I was, I was tired of my, my stomach feeling sick around. I was tired of that, that nag in the back of my head. I was tired of, of sitting in the fart. That's what I was tired of, right? And last week we talked about, or two weeks ago, we talked about in John 17, that, that Jesus, he says, our unity Essentially, what he's saying is our unity is our testimony. The way that we're unified, it tells other people about Jesus. More than anything, I was tired of this broken relationship pointing people away from the cross. Because I want the prayer of Paul to be the prayer of my life and to be true in my life, which is 
from Acts 20, 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others about the wonderful, about the good news and the wonderful the grace of God. So what did I do? I sent a text. I sent a text message earlier this week. Um, and listen, going back to this idea of like, you know, I, I didn't really know what to say or what to do. Uh, I'll just let you in a little bit on what the text message read. I said, uh, there are probably several reasons for that. And by the way, when I say that, I mean several reasons for me not, uh, not texting or not trying to reconcile. But none of them outweigh obedience to Christ and his call for reconciliation. So though it might be messy, and I don't quite know the wisdom of how to go about it in a way that causes the least stress and anxiety for you, I would love to meet with you and reconcile. I'm going to leave this in your court. Respond when you feel comfortable and let me know if you would like to proceed. And if so, what suggestions do you have as to how you would like to proceed? Several hours later, uh, later on that night, they responded with a text. After a, over a year of disuni disunity, after over a year of us not talking, and they said, I would love to reconcile. And so, Later on, after Thanksgiving, we're going to have that conversation. Unified people fight for unity, and forgiven people forgive. As the band comes out here, um, listen to me. Um, collectively, we have to do better. I have to do better. We have to do better than this. Uh, I'm going to be more funny than crass but I'm serious. Are we tired of living in the fart? Right? It just, it permeates our clothes. It sits in us like, uh, I don't know if you've ever, you've ever been on a, on a plane where the guy, the guy next to you, he blew up the row, right? Uh, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can use those words while talking about planes, but uh, um, maybe even me mentioning that was, was, uh, anyway, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my wife right now is going, are you kidding me? She's a flight attendant. She's like, I'm going to kill you when you get off stage. Um, but, uh, but, you know, if you're sitting in a row and some dude blows it up, like, you're not denying it. It's there. Like, everybody is sitting in it. Like, your stomach is turning. It changes the entire atmosphere. I mean, everything is ruined around you. And you're going, are you kidding me? I can't wait to get off this plane. See, we have the opportunity to turn people toward Christ the way that we're unified. We have the opportunity to be like that guy. To, to cause disunity. Um, I'm going to take this metaphor one step further. <laughs> this, uh, this, this whole fragrance metaphor. 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says this. It says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We're the aroma of Christ. I love that verse. We have the opportunity to be the aroma of Christ or to be the fart, right? Have you ever been to St. Louis uh, Zoo uh, on like a, a, like a hot July day? I'm talking like a 90 plus degree day, right? Like everybody is a sweat swamp, you know? Um, you know, half the crowd is smoking. Uh, it's one of those things out of like, a, it's crazy. It's like out of a movie. It's like if you got them, smoke them. You know, it's like everybody's smoking it. And, uh, and, and the air is pungent, it permeates your clothes, like the smell is there. 
there's people cleaning out the elephant poop, you know, and, uh, and, and typically it's interns, and they're, and they're just shoveling into these, into these five-gallon buckets as they put these loads of poop out of their four-wheelers and drive them off to wherever they dispose of the poop. And um, it's gross, right? Like the, the St. Louis Zoo on a hot July day can be one of the smelliest places in St. Louis. But if you've ever been there and, and, and someone walks by you and they just got there, like they're fresh, right? They, they, they went from an AC house to an AC car into the zoo. Uh, you know, they don't smell like a sweat swamp. They got fresh pits, you know. They, they haven't been smoking. And, and, and as they walk through, as they walk by, you, you don't do this, right? Because it's, it's creepy. But, 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 but what you want to do, okay, and you don't do this. If, if you do this, stop doing this. If, but what you want to do is, is you want to walk in their trail just for a couple steps, right? To get a reprieve from the smell that is everywhere else in the world. And we live in a world full of awful smells, bad odors and bad habits, you know? They just crush us on all sides. And when someone walks by you with the sweet aroma, you want to follow them. And I want to live a life as a pastor and as a Christ follower. I want to live a life in the middle of a stinky, smelly zoo that people want to follow. I want to be the person that people go, man, he, he doesn't have disunity in his life. He doesn't have relationships that need to be reconciled. He is the aroma of Christ. He's the sweet aroma of Christ in an otherwise smelly world. And we have the opportunity to be that. So, you know, again, uh, I don't always get this right. I don't know if you know this, but pastors, like we're sinners too. You know, it's like an AA meeting. Hey, my name's Corey. I'm a sinner too. Um, we don't always get this right. But, but listen, when spiritual leaders in your life, when they do get things right, go follow them. And, um, and, and I would ask you, if you have relationships in your life that, that need reconciliation, if you have relationships in your life that are disunified and broken, will you please do me a favor and follow me? Tonight, will you send them a text? Tonight, will you say, hey, you know what? Thanksgiving is coming up, and, 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 and I, I, don't, I don't want Christmas to come around. I don't want another holiday to come around without reconciliation between you and I. I want to make this right. Would you do that? Because we have the opportunity to be the sweet aroma of Christ and to turn others to God our Father with our unity, or we have an opportunity to be the fart. And so, God, I pray, I pray that you, um, I pray that you would reconcile us to others Lord, we, we, uh, we need our hands held sometimes. We, we don't know what to do sometimes. Uh, we, we know the right step to take, uh, but we don't know how to get there. God, somehow you decided to, to reconcile a, a broken world to you, full of sinners. Uh, I don't know that we've, that we've ever done anything right or good toward you. And, and you've reconciled us to you through Jesus. And we have the opportunity to, to carry that message of reconciliation, to, to take the task of reconciling others to a broken world. But, but God, we just, we don't always get it right. And, uh, and so God, I, I pray 
I pray that another holiday after Thanksgiving, sometimes it takes some time to reconcile relationships. God, I pray that, I pray that another year wouldn't come around. I pray that 2021, before we enter 2021, God, I pray that we wouldn't be cowards. I, pr- I pray that we would, be, we would be strong and we would have the faith to believe that you will reconcile what is broken, that you will redeem what is broken. God, I pray that we would fulfill our name, redemption, and that we would bring redemption to the relationships around us that need redemption. And God, I pray, pray that in a, in a world full of body odors and bad habits and other smells that just are pungent, God, I pray that we would be the sweet aroma of Christ. And it's all this that we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.